Hello, friends, and welcome to the Sermons Podcast of Christ Church at Grove Farm. One of our goals here at CCGF is to help you take your next step toward Jesus and the person God designed you to be. We hope our sermons help you to take that next step. If you would like more information about the community here at Christ Church at Grove Farm, or if you would like to contact us, you can do all of that and more on our website, which is ccgf.org. And to get an even further taste of who we are, you can follow us on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, and YouTube. Now, here is this week's message, grace and peace to you. Well, let's take a moment and close our eyes right where we're sitting. See the Lord Jesus walking amongst us, that same Jesus who gave us that story concerning the one we call the Good Samaritan. Oh Lord Jesus, meet with us this morning as we continue. One by one meet with us, speak to us, so that we know, Lord, you are aware of us, know what's going on in our hearts and lives, and that we hear your word to us, even to go and do likewise. So take my lips, Lord, and speak through them. Take our minds and think through them. Take our wills, bend them to your own. Take our hearts, Lord Jesus, and set them on fire with love for yourself. We pray this for your name's sake. Amen. Well, if you're joining us online, pleased to have you with us. As we head toward Christmas, we do hope that you'll be able to make yourself, uh, get yourself together and get to be with us for family worship. So next Sunday, that first Sunday in Advent, leads us on a very fast track to Christmas Eve and the wonderful celebrations of Christmas here. We're coming to the close of a three-week series. Pastor Craig Giergo preached the first two, our new pastor. He's actually down in Memphis this morning, just to let you know, back home with his family for Thanksgiving. They're still there. They'll be joining us as soon as possible. They've got a house to sell and find one to buy so you can be praying for our new pastor. But he preached about giving. He actually laughed about how tough it was to come with his first sermons and speak about the money issue. Money always gets our attention. If you're visiting with us, by the way, we don't speak about it much. But this is that season when we make a pledge to next year's work. And uh, whether you've got food to bring forward later in bags, which will go out to a variety of very needy folks this week, or you've got your pledge card with you, and you bring that and lay it on the Lord's table. That's how we're going to do that this morning. But it's like the conclusion of a series as we come and present to God of our means. We've actually divided up the series into three. The first was about money. That was the very first, about giving of our wealth. That's the key, the generous spirit, a grace from God to be able to give financially. And I know money always gives uh, us pause because it seems like you hear that the church is always talking about money. We're not. We're talking about giving yourself to Jesus. 
That's our, our theme here. Just as we've worshipped this morning. But part of that is our money. I don't know if you heard ever about the Presbyterian pastor. And Presbyterianism comes out of Scotland. The Reformation in Scotland. And the Scots are known for keeping a fairly tight grip on their cash. In fact, it's said of the Scots that they keep the Sabbath and anything else they can get their hands on. <laughs> so this Presbyterian pastor got a call from a woman and she said, would he do a service, a funeral service, a burial service for her dog? He said, madam, I can't do that, but you might try the Baptist pastor down the street. She said, well, before I hang up, could you give me a piece of advice? Should I offer him $400 or $500 for doing this? Well, the, the Presbyterian pastor said, hold on, madam. You didn't tell me your dog was a Presbyterian. <laughs> Get your attention. And Pastor Craig preached about the giving of our wealth. Then the next week about giving our talents, using our time and our talents. Each of you is very, very gifted in some area. You're a 10. I mean, you're very good at something or other. It may be just that you're a joyful, exuberant person. You need to be a part of our greeting and welcoming team here. That's really an organized ministry. Because as you welcome people, that joy comes out and it blesses people. There are people in my life I love to be with because they've got this gift of joy. I would have to say that Pastor Craig Giergo has that gift just to be with him, even to hear him speaking. Like it lifts your spirit. That's a gift. This one man came back to this church because he wanted to help with Urban Impact's baseball ministry, summer ministry. Baseball was this guy's life. And he moved all the way from Indianapolis back to Pittsburgh in order to be able to coach kids baseball as a volunteer. His money was made doing something else, his life. You know, Winston Churchill said this, you make a living by what you earn, by what you get, but you make a life by what you give. This man's worshipped here already this morning. He's part of our church family. But what brought him here and part of our family was to be able to give to the kids on the north side of Pittsburgh an athletic gift and to encourage them. And he often goes with these kids once they get old enough to interview at colleges and get a baseball scholarship. And he's doing that as a volunteer. So whether it's sports or administration or being a welcomer or being a part of the women's prayer ministry, one could go on. I know last week, Pastor Greg challenged us with the need for folks to get involved in our children's ministry. Some of you really love kids. Some of you, just your very presence sort of attracts kids. They want to be around you. 
pray about whether you should be involved in our children's ministry and week by week be a teacher. We will give you the information and the instruction and the encouragement. That's the first thing I did when I became a believer as a teenager. Amazingly, they advertised the need for Sunday school teachers, and I volunteered. I knew next to nothing. I was a new believer. But they taught me week by week, and I taught what they taught me week by week. But that was a stepping stone for me to being your preacher here this morning. Whatever else I've done with the rest of my life. So what's your gift? You pray about that and surrender it to the Lord even here this morning. And this morning, the third key to unlock your joy, because all this is about being fulfilled. God has made you for something. Listen to the words of Jesus and believe them. It's more blessed to give than receive. You hear that banded around? Sometimes said in church as a, an invitation to give. But do you hear what that says? It's more blessed, that is more joyful, more fulfilling, more rewarding to give than to get. Do you believe that? To have a generous spirit, to take what you have and present it to the Lord. In fact, even as you come forward, we ask you to come and give yourself to the Lord. He wants you. And any money you commit, any pledge you make, any groceries you give, any time you use, any talent you have, it's all part of responding to him and saying, Oh Lord, you have given me so much. Thank you. The reason I chose for this reading this morning, the Good Samaritan, the story Jesus told, was because coming down from Jerusalem to Jericho is actually coming off a mountaintop experience down into the valley of Jericho. It's out on the plains. That's pretty much a straight climb up from Jericho to Jerusalem. But this man was making his way down from Jerusalem to Jericho. Makes it very clear. It's in your service sheet there if you've got a minute to look at it, if you can see it in this darkened theater at the moment. But the, the man's making his way back down into Jericho. And he gets beaten up by robbers. Even his clothing taken. His money beaten up and left for dead. And comes by a, a, a priest. As it says, he's making his way down. He's already been to Jerusalem and done his priestly acts. And he's coming down back to Jericho. A Levite in the same way, down the same road. You wouldn't know this, but several thousands of the priests and Levites, the religious people, who served in Jerusalem, actually lived down the hill in Jericho. Less expensive living. Quite a community of them there. That's what the scholars tell us. So they would be familiar with that road up and down. 
So the priest comes down. He's already done his religious thing. He's been to church. He should be blessed. But he walks by on the other side. And then this Levite, which is a religious set of family people connected to offering sacrifices and temple worship, this Levite came by. And he passed by on the other side. Religious Jewish folks passing by and doing nothing. And then a Samaritan comes down. Now I think you've probably picked up along the way that the Jews and Samaritans despised each other. I mean, they detested each other. So here comes this detestable Samaritan, and he comes across this man lying as if dead, binds up his wounds, takes some oil and wine, purifying, healing, wraps them up, puts them on his stead, his steed, whether it's a horse or a donkey, takes him to an inn, deposits him there, gives the innkeeper a couple of days' wages, and, leaves, and, and says, look, if there's anything more, you keep an account, and I'll pay you when I come back this way. And Jesus, who's telling this account, this story, to a religious lawyer, uh, when it says he is a, a lawyer, that's a law in religious things. Because that lawyer has wanted Jesus to define who his neighbor is. They've already had this conversation when you get to the, the story that was told, where the question of how you worship God and know that you have eternal life is asked. And the answer is, love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your mind, with all your soul, with all your strength. And the second commandment is like unto it, love your neighbor as yourself. And the lawyer said, I've done all that stuff. But he said, tell me, qualify for me who my neighbor is. Who's my neighbor? So he's a lawyer. He's a nitpicker. He wants specifics. And so he tells that story. Now, you would have expected the religious Jews coming down the mountain, having been to church, to be the one to take care of the man beaten up and left for dead. But they don't want to touch. And it's not a matter of sort of staying ceremonially clean because they've done their religious thing. You may not know this, but if they touched a dead person, they were seven days in some kind of spiritual religious quarantine. But they've done their church thing. They're back, they're going home. But they walk by on the other side anyway. You'd have expected them to care, but they didn't. But the Samaritan, the one you'd expect to almost have him spit on the dead body, have nothing to do with the man. He stopped and took care of him. And then Jesus asked the question of the lawyer, which of these was neighbor? to the man who fell among the thieves. And that lawyer couldn't even say Samaritan, the Samaritan. He so is disgusted. He said, I suppose the one who showed mercy. That's how he described it. And then Jesus said to him, you go and do likewise. And that's his word to us. But the reason I chose that is, what it takes when you run into a situation like that is time. 
Because that's the third lock, that the key of taking your time and giving the Lord your time and being available to Him to be used by Him whenever the occasion is there, right and apparent and next to you, you almost stumble over it. That you are available. That you're not too busy. That you're not so programmed that you've got to get on with the next thing. And I know that's how we live. And for us guys, there's a further issue. We just don't want to get involved. I mean, some of you, let me just like, like have a chat with one or two of you, six of you, a dozen of you, 20 of you. You don't sign in the logbook. Because you figure if you give us your name and address and how to be in touch, we're going to get you involved. <laughs> Guys, I'm talking to you. You see, we're going to be bringing forward pledge cards that were actually mailed with a great letter from Pastor Craig and me. But if you didn't give us your address, you didn't get it. You've got one in the pew there that you might use, take home and pray over and bring back next week or mail to us. But you're not involved, you're not engaged because you don't want to get committed. You don't want to get involved. You're scared we're going to come steal your time, maybe steal your money. I say that in generalization. We wouldn't rob you. <laughs> but you're pretty cautious. Have I got your number? So you may want to catch that uh, log before you leave and sign in this morning. Take the time. We'll do so next week, but let us know you're here. Become part of the family. We have people become members who've worshipped with us for years. Some of you have been worshipping for years. You're like members, you make pledges, but you've never really signed on the dotted line. You don't want to get that involved. You don't want to get that committed. So these priests coming down the mountain, walking by the guy, you can understand them not wanting to get involved, to get in, you know, up to you. Here's the guy, the Samaritan, not only takes care of him, but is going to come back and pay whatever's owing. That's exactly what we don't want to get into. Involved. So we don't give the time. Time is more precious to us than the money or the giftedness. It's the most difficult to dispense, to use. It's great that you give up an hour or so on a Sunday morning, isn't it? That's what we think. Some of you rush out of here, some of you hang around the cafe or get coffee, which all supports ministries. But even there you don't want to stay around and get involved in case one of the ministers nabs you. Or one of those happy-go-lucky Christians gets a hold of you. I understand how that works because I wasn't raised to go to church and I wasn't looking to get involved with those religious people. I was chasing a girl who'd broken my heart. She said she went to church, I found out which one it was and chased her there. Never did catch up with her. But the Lord caught up with me. I end up volunteering as a Sunday school teacher. Amazing. Time is so precious. I know how it is. I actually made a list just randomly as I sat down at my desk this week. Listen to this. This is how important time is to us. We save time. 
We make time. We spend time. We waste time. We serve time. We do time. That's jail time. <laughs> we buy time. We pass time. We're on time. We've got spare time. Volunteer time. We mark time, like standing still. We redeem the time. There's bedtime. There's daytime. There's lunchtime. There's dinner time. There's night time. There's a good time and a bad time. We invest time. We play time. We've got play time. There's overtime. You take your time. You donate time. You cut time. You've got worship time, quiet time, prayer time. You're in time. You've got drive time. You steal time. <laughs> and then you're out of time. And I could go on and on. You probably thought of some other uses, the way we talk about time. It's like it completely controls us. How about a lifetime? What are you doing with your life? What are your priorities of how you use your time and spend your time? Let me quote to you from Moses, who wrote actually one of the Psalms. So a song of Moses ends up in the book of the Psalms, and number 90 of the Psalms, the 90th Psalm, is a Psalm of Moses, a prayer of Moses, the man of God. It's in that prayer that he says these things. Number one, a thousand years in your sight, Lord, are like a day that has just gone by, or like a watch in the night. I mean, time is speeding by. So later on, verse 10 of Psalm 90, he says this, the length of our days is 70 years or 80. What the old language used to say is threescore years and 10. 70. Or fourscore years, if we have the strength for it. Yet their span is but trouble and sorrow, for they quickly pass and fly away. Like a bird, like gone. Teach us to number our days. This is verse 12. Teach us to number our days aright, that we may gain a heart of wisdom. What do you think Moses is saying there? Teach us how to measure out our life. Teach us what we're doing with our time. How are we spending our time? How are we spending our life? What are we doing with it? So teach us so that we may apply our hearts, our lives, wisely to use this time. Listen to this. Today, this very day, the 24th of November, 52 years ago, this very day, my wife and I got married. 52 years. This very day. In fact, about this time of day, we were driving off on our honeymoon. We'd gotten rid of the rice and the balloons and all the stuff they'd done to our car. We pulled into a Howard Johnson's. You old-timers will remember that restaurant. And had a hot cup of chocolate and a hot dog each. Remember that? That's the first thing we did after we got married. And got on our way. 
fact, we've taken our kids to that very restaurant and sat them down at the counter said, this is where mummy and daddy had their first cup of hot chocolate and hot dog together when we were married. I remember that like yesterday, 52 years ago. That's a lifetime. Except I just happened to be 83. I can't believe it. I keep going over the numbers. <laughs> I know when I was born. And I, I think it's got to come up there. I, I cannot be 83. I feel like maybe 45 on the inside. I feel being married for 52 years, I've still got so much to grow up and be a husband. Don't know if you guys feel like that. But it's a lifetime. What a life. My wife and I sat at our cup of tea together this morning and thanked God. What a spirit of thanksgiving for the years, for our children, for our family, for what we've done with our lives. It's been immense. It's been fabulous. It's been beautiful to be a part of your lives. And I will say this to you, please. You, some of you wrote us notes in Pastor's Appreciation Month. That was October, last month. And those were given to us just a week ago. And I had my little bag, the same bag that was given out here. You remember I was sick last week, so I didn't turn up, and I'm still battling that some. I'm glad my voice is coming through. Thank you, Jesus. But I sat yesterday morning with Kathy and read all those cards. Thank you. Believe it or not, I wept. Some of you wrote a couple of pages. You found Christ here. Your children have come to faith here. You've grown up in the Lord here. It blessed us so. Thank you for that encouragement. And the encouragement I know it was to all the other pastors that you sent notes to. But we're thrilled to be in on your lives. To be a part of you. It's such a blessing. It's rewarding. It's fulfilling. The joy that comes from being in your life when you're going through the tough times. It's not like we're happy-go-lucky. But to watch how the Lord sees you through, heals your wounds, restores your marriages, catches up with your kids. It's such a blessing. That's the joy of the Lord. What are you doing with your life? How is your time going? As you come forward this morning, and we'll, the ushers will come and usher you, we ask you to go to the right hand, or let me put it another way, head towards the windows to come down the aisle. Do not come down the middle aisle. Go outward, come around. If you've still got your bags, bring them with you, the food. And lay your card on the table. Don't just chuck it down there. Lay it there. Give yourselves to the Lord as well as you come. Take a moment even as you come by. And then go down the center aisle and make your way back. I do encourage you to go back to your seat. Don't make your way out. In fact, I may just park myself at the door back there and see you don't do that. Because <laughs> church is not over. But make that offering. Give your life back to Jesus. Your time is precious. What are you doing with it? How is God using you? 
So that's one of the great keys to joy, is using your life for his ends. Being a part of his kingdom coming, his will being done, blessing other people, inviting them to come, bringing them with you, being a part of the children's Sunday school, well, that's the old phrase now, party that they're going to be having. What was that, December the 11th? Be there. Bring your grandchildren and your neighbor's kids. It's extraordinary. Every opportunity. Bring a woman friend with you to the breakfast for ladies. I want to tell you, you will be spoiled rotten. The layout is spectacular. It's tablecloths, it's fine china, it's beautiful sandwiches or whatever you have for breakfast at 10 in the morning. It's beautiful. Because the women want to serve you ladies, give you a beautiful morning together. But I know it takes time. But you've got friends to invite. Let them come. Take the time to invite them. Let them get to get a taste of a Jesus Christmas. Let's bow our heads and pray together here just a moment. And then the ushers will come. You've got these cards, this uh, pledge card right there in the pew with you if you want to use it. Certainly take it with you if you don't have one and use it. But right now it's time to talk to Jesus. So see yourself looking at him. Oh Lord Jesus, thank you so much for your goodness to us, for the way you've blessed us, for all you've given to us. We're overwhelmed. So gladly we give ourselves back to you, Lord. And with that, we give you our wealth, our giftedness, our talent, our status, our place in life, that you might use us. Take advantage and use all that we are, that we might be filled with joy in serving you. That's our prayer, Lord. So make these holy moments as we come beneath that cross and surrender all to you. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Amen.